Hello and welcome again to Voices in Innovation. I'm your host, Johnny Baldisberger, and today we are going over yet another key criteria report with Chris Grundeman. Chris, this is, you're knocking them out of the park. This is what, your fourth time on the show? I think so, yeah. It's excellent, excellent. Uh, I actually, I, I went to my boss today and I said, you know, I like I like all these radar reports we're putting out. I like all these custom reports we're doing, but I can't put those on the show. I need I need us to do a key criteria report. And he said, "Okay, well, we have uh, network observability coming out this week," and I was like, "Thank, thank you, something, something I can work with." So, <laughs> so uh, as I just mentioned, we're going to be talking about network observability today. And you spend a fair amount of this report talking about how network observability uh, has come into being, uh, the evolution of managing people at your your network. Uh, so do you kind of want to kind of break that down of how it's how it's evolved from the first days to where we're heading into now? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know one of the things is you know I, I think a lot of people bash on SNMP, the, the Simple Network Management Protocol. And, and, and there are definitely some, some big deficiencies there. I think that it, it has its place and it's, it's been used successfully for a long time. Uh, I think the protocol itself is pretty solid. I think a lot of the vendor implementations have not been up to snuff. Um, and there are definitely limitations, even in the protocol itself. And that's been kind of the primary method of extracting information from networks and other systems for, for a long time. And so, you know, if you could imagine basically, you know, o- old kind of, you know, legacy network monitoring, network management solutions were basically, you know, they would ping the hosts, uh, they would maybe pull some SNMP data, they'd give you some, some visibility, um, you know, very little in the way of any kind of configuration control. Um, usually people were using something like RADB or something to kind of maybe pull the configs off and, and, and study those if they're even doing that. And so pretty basic visibility, you know, the red light, green light, yellow light kind of, kind of visibility into the network. Um, maybe some capacity management a little bit, you know, on, on looking at the bandwidth utilization from interfaces, you know, maybe you're alarming on CPU temperatures or hard disks overruns or, you know, things like that, right? So pretty basic stuff. I mean, the stuff that's needed and necessary, uh, but, but not a whole lot beyond just, is it working? Is it already broken? And, you know, as you know, as we talked about before, we've really moved into this era of, you know, whether you want to talk about digital transformation or, you know, also the cloud, uh, a lot of things have changed in the way we operate our networks and the infrastructure they support. And so those two things are kind of, you know, the digital transformation side of things, I, I think about just the criticality of the network and of IT infrastructure on most people's business, right? We, we've talked about before, so many businesses, most, I think at this case, at, at this point, um, are technology companies, right? Maybe you have, you know, you know, there's some reason why either your customers, your partners, your employees, they have to have you know, network access, or they can't function, or they can't interact with you. And so it's just super critical. And because of that, we've moved from, you know, is it working? Is it not working? To is it going to continue working? And how well is it working? Right? And then you add into that, the complexity of the cloud, where we've extended our networks across the internet into other people's data centers, essentially, uh, right? Because the public cloud really is just someone else's computer, uh, you've, you've outsourced the management there, but you still need to understand the connectivity and what's going on in that user experience. And so I think that's all driven this evolution from, you know, again, the legacy network performance monitoring, network performance management into, you know, what we're calling network observability, which is really kind of that next generation of truly understanding, you know, the user experience, uh, the application performance, 
and, and really kind of trying to get ahead of things that might be going wrong on the network. And so that's kind of the, the culmination there. You know, these days, what we're looking at from network observability is really, you know, better usage of IT resources and business oriented IT results. I mean, those are two kind of really big headlines here. When we're talking about how things are changing, I was, I was curious as I was reading this, is network observability coming out of the, the necessity uh, to have more options, uh, to have more insight, or is it coming out of the fact that now we can? Uh, is the is the need driving the technology, or is the technology uh, finally filling the need? If that makes sense, both. I think a little bit, right? I think humans are lazy creatures, just like many others. Uh, just like a puma who climbs up into the tree and sleeps most of the day, or your cat who lounges around the house and only gets up to eat. Um, we we tend to be creatures of necessity. And so the need for these tools has definitely driven the development of other technologies, but also those technologies are now available, which is kind of, you know, a, a, a virtuous cycle, I would, I would call it. And so what, what's really happened is we've moved beyond, you know, just the SNMP that I talked about earlier. And as I alluded to, and now we're looking at multiple data sources, right? So adding to that SNMP, we're looking at NetFlow data. In some cases, we're doing full packet captures, or at least analyzing the metadata from those packets, uh, generating synthetic data, right? A lot of tools now are actually crafting traffic that looks like application data to understand how that actually works. Instead of just a, a simple ICMP or UDP ping, we're actually doing, you know, real tests to real applications. Um, and we're also, you know, pulling information from different places now, right? So before you may have just had physical infrastructure, um, now there's virtual infrastructure. And so digging into, you know, how do you look at a private and public cloud and, and, and those things um, is also part of this as well. So I think the technology is definitely shifting and enabling this, um, but I think that was driven in part by this, you know, necessity of the network becoming so important. One thing I found interesting uh, as I was reading through the report and, and this report, uh, when we're recording, this report hasn't gone live just yet. Uh, It'll be live either today or tomorrow from when you're listening to this, uh, assuming you listen to it on the day it comes out and not three weeks from now when the report's been out for a while. Uh, but one of the things I found interesting is you've already started kind of alluding to what's going to be in the radar. Um, specifically, it seems like uh, network observability, maybe more so than most technologies we've talked about, uh, is not a one-size-fit-all thing. Uh, it seems like it's you really need to get granular about what you're looking for and what your needs are. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I think you know one of the things we looked at in in the radar that's like different in some ways from some other reports is there's definitely an aspect to how how things got positioned on the radar that's actually not being evaluated. And what I mean is we we wanted to take a pure play look at network observability. And so really all the evaluation metrics, all the key criteria are focused on providing that observability into your network specifically. Um, and observability in this case, we're looking at kind of a little bit of a two-way street of both visibility and control, um, but obviously mostly focusing on the visibility side to observability. Uh, but, but what I mean is as far as the split of outside of that realm is the difference between what came out as more of a feature play side of the radar versus more of a platform play side of the radar is many of these tools are actually bigger than the network now. And they're looking at the full IT infrastructure stack, especially cloud applications and that kind of thing. And so we looked at the platform plays, even though we didn't evaluate how they're doing as far as server management, VM management, container management, that kind of thing. Um, folks that came out on that side are doing much more of that kind of full stack 
um, observability versus just network observability. And so, you know, in some cases you may want that or may not. A lot of companies still have different silos and different ways their businesses are set up where you may want a tool that the network team owns. You may also want, and another aspect of this is the security piece, right? We definitely did evaluate security. I think more and more, you just have to, right? It, security is part of the network and you have to look at that. But of course, in some cases, you may have a robust enough cybersecurity team that you actually don't need the network engineers looking at that too much. And so those features may not matter as much to you. And so there's definitely a lot of pieces and parts here where you may want all the bells and whistles, or they may be a distraction, or they may be just duplication of another tool you already have. So definitely um, some room for kind of customizing your fit and function to the tool or, or vice versa. Speaking of security, um, does a network observability tool offer another door uh, for someone who might want to access your data? Sure. I mean, any kind of management platform definitely does, right? And so when you start looking at, you know, some of the things, um, like I said, some of these platforms offer uh, control as well as visibility, right? And so you're looking at, you know, doing some things where, you know, less so now, but I think down the road, we're going to see more of this kind of closed loop automation where you're using that observability in order to, you know, then predict what might happen in the network or see what is happening right now in the network and then have autonomic functions reply to that. And it's uh, definitely when you add that control function where you're actually using this tool to make those closed loop automation a reality, you know, there is a, a, a potential threat there. So you definitely want to make sure these things are secure. And that's why we did look at in the report, you know, things that offer an on-premise solution, on-premises solution uh, versus only in the cloud versus a SaaS solution. And so you definitely want to look at that depending on your, what your threat model is, where you want to keep this, how you want to secure it um, and, and make sure that that's a big part of this for sure. So speaking of, you know, management and on-premises versus in cloud, one of the emerging technologies was mobile applications and augmented reality. Now, mobile applications makes perfect sense to me. I understand what you're saying. Uh, if, you know, you're on a business trip and something goes wrong, you want to be able to see exactly what's going on. You want, you know, you don't want to have to book another flight back home just so you can manage this tool. Uh, augmented reality, how does that plug into where this technology is heading? Yeah, so this one's one that's really interesting, um, I think. And so, you know, I, we did look at this as a near-term game changer, right, as an emerging technology. Uh, I don't know that any of the tools in the radar actually come out with a, a you know, solid play in this space yet, um, but we are seeing it in the market from, from some different players. And essentially, you know, one of the things I've seen is which um, would be especially, you know, potentially useful for field services, which is, you know, you, you use your camera on your phone, uh, you point it at a switch, obviously while you're running this augmented reality app that's, that's tied into your, your network observability platform, and it shows you, you know, exactly what's connected to what ports, what ports are turned on, what ports aren't, maybe what ports have what VLANs on them. And so you can see, okay, yes, I know exactly which port I need to plug this new cable into or which cable I need to unplug which I don't know, you know, how many people have worked with remote field services in the past in kind of their, their network operations role, but I definitely have. And that is always a point of contention, right? It's, it's really hard when you're on the phone with somebody to be sure that you've given them the right direction and that they understand that direction to unplug the right cable. Um, and there's definitely outages that have happened on my watch, and I'm sure it's happened to a lot of other people, where somebody pulled the wrong card or put, the wrong, you know, put a card into the wrong router and things like that. And so you know, this to me, while at first blush, a lot of people think this is maybe more of a, a toy or a trinket, I think it actually has real legs, in, especially in the data center space, but even in campus wiring closets and that kind of thing. Um, so we've seen it happen 
in home technology and consumer technology. And I think it will make the leap to enterprise technology uh, because it, it just, to me, seems like there's a lot of room for improvement there, especially with those remote connections. And, 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 and like you said, in this kind of work anywhere environment we're in now, um, you know, the mobile application is definitely part of that. Uh, but I think the second step is making sure that those you know, hands and feet that are on, the, uh, you know, on site there really get the information they need um, versus trying to you know, understand what you're saying over the phone. We've talked about uh, we've talked about VR and AR before, um, specifically with training, and uh, it's really fascinating to watch as the, as technologies that are you know more trinkets or uh, maybe what's the word I'm looking for uh, gimmicky mm. uh, turn into real powerhouses that can kind of change the way we work and uh, the way we train people. It's incredibly fascinating. So I was excited when I saw that in this report. Um, a, lot of, a lot of what we're talking about in the network observability report, uh, you know, you, you explain thoroughly and a lot of it is pretty self-explanatory once you know what it is, right? Like once you know why you want visualization you know like yeah of course i do of course that's a key criteria um were there any surprises for you when you started uh, looking into this anything that you that uh either in key criteria or maybe table stakes that you said oh absolutely yeah i mean a little both right i mean definitely I think uh, I, you know, going into one of these reports, I always think I know a lot, and then realize very quickly how little I know, and 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 learn a lot in the process of creating these reports. Um, I think that one you called out is is an interesting distinction that can be surprising for some, right? That difference between visibility and visualization, uh, and and like you said, I think you know once you once you think about it a little bit, it becomes really clear. But it is something that I don't think everyone makes a good distinction of of really kind of getting that information from the network or having that visibility into the network. But then how do you visualize that? And that's, I think, becoming more and more important. So one of the surprises here, I think, is that a lot more business leaders, um, you know, people in management roles or, or, or you know, department leads, um, business units, that kind of thing, are, are actually looking directly to these tools to get insights. And so that visualization becomes really, really important because it's not just a tool for network engineers anymore. This is potentially something that you're showing to, um, you know, higher level management, executive boards, customers, partners, um, you know, so you can give that health check, uh, you know, real legs and, and tie it back to the business since that visualization becomes really important. Um, another thing that was a little bit surprising is, you know, again, kind of hearkening to forward to the radar a little bit was one of the things that was really the defining characteristic between what we considered, you know, a mature um, play versus an innovative play was the addition of AI and ML, right? Some kind of artificial intelligence, usually some kind of machine learning. Um, which I think is a subset of artificial intelligence. And that seems to be one of the big trends that's, that's happening right now. Um, you know, somewhere close to half the field we looked at are doing something with AI and ML, um, you know, whether that's, you know, in production or, or in development. And that became really a defining characteristic here. And it harkens to some of the other work Gigom has done around AI ops and ML ops. And I think, you know, that that's a much bigger trend and much more useful than I thought. It's one of those things that, you know, at first blush, maybe a few years ago, seemed a little gimmicky, and there's definitely been some AI washing in the industry, uh, but you know we're really starting to see some tools that are coming out now that are providing real value uh, from you know those you know concepts at least of, of AI and ML 
um, being put in here for, you know, advanced troubleshooting and capacity planning as well. So really kind of trying to look into the future by, by having a machine understand what's going on in the network today and in the past. All right. Now, what would, you know, when someone's looking at their network, when they're trying to decide between SNMP, NPM, and network observability, is there any reason not to move to network observability? Is there any reason you might say, no, uh, NPM is, is fine. We don't need to go any further than this. Yeah, I think, you know, this is one of those cases where I, I talk a lot about the idea of kind of trickle down technology. Um, and there's a lot of things that start either at telcos or cable cos or hyperscalers that then eventually move down to large enterprise and then to kind of mid-market and down to SMB. So, you know, right now, if, if you're a small business and you're running, you know, a single router or firewall, you know, in a closet that's, you know, connecting out to the internet and, and you've got a few computers connected up there and your network, you know, map is, is, you know, a dozen or less devices, this is probably overkill for sure. And so this is really right now, something that makes the most sense in large complex networks where you really need that deep observability. Um, as I say that though, more and more folks, even at the smallest end of the kind of business spectrum are using cloud resources and have pretty complex networks. Well, they may not think about it, right? But if they're using a bunch of SaaS tools and they've got some you know, development work going on in one of the public clouds, there actually may be a complex network there um, that you're kind of overlooking. And so having one of these tools could be really, really useful. Um, so I think that's the case, right? Is just really understanding you know, what your network is and, and how important it is to your business. And the more critical it is and the more large and complex it is, the more advanced tooling you need to understand how it's operating. And again, it really comes back to that kind of user experience and understanding um, the quality of experience versus just up, down, you know, red, yellow, green. Okay. The other, you know, the other side of choosing tools, uh, something that no one wants to talk about, but we have to, is the cost. Hmm. Um, is, is the cost, uh, you know, we've talked, uh, I don't think we mentioned it yet, but in your report, you mentioned that this is next gen technology. Uh, this is on the, I no longer want to say cutting edge because edge means something else to me now, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but is there a, a, uh, a gateway of cost that's going to prohibit smaller businesses from using network observability, or is this a fairly affordable technology? Yeah, it definitely depends on the way you look at it. I think, I think definitely, you know, these newer tools, these more complex tools, these bigger platforms are, are going to come at a premium over a simple, you know, network monitoring uh, platform. There's definitely, um, you know, a, a, a spectrum there. And there's two ways to look at this, right? So one is, you know, what is the actual cost? And, and in a lot of cases, these are driven by the number of devices you have, the, number, the amount of bandwidth you have. And so the cost does scale. So if you're running a smaller network, your cost is lower. Um, now, of course, it's still higher than maybe a really basic observability tool. Um, but then you have to factor in, you know, what is this saving you? And so, you know, how much does downtime cost you? How much does, you know, extra latency or extra jitter, you know, a bad Zoom call with a key client, uh, you know, uh, uh, inability for someone to access your, your portal or your application, you know, what does that cost you? And if you compare those two, uh, in a lot of cases, the ROI comes out on top, even for, you know, some of the smallest organizations. The other aspect is, um, you know, again, hearkening kind of forward to that radar, you know, one of the tools we looked at is an open source tool. Um, now, obviously, there is a, you know, a, a company that provides commercial support and everything behind that. Um, 
But that's one of the things that, you know, you may think, oh, well, if I'm going to go open source, I have to go with you know, some of the simplest basic functionality. And that's not necessarily true. There is at least one tool out there that we uh, looked at that does provide, you know, what we would consider network observability um, on the open source front. So now there's a cost to that as well. I don't want to say that just because the software is free and open source means that there's zero cost to install it and, and deploy it. Uh, there is a cost there and then you have to be pretty savvy or hire someone who's savvy to, to take that care of that for you. Uh, but there's a lot of options and a lot of price points. So again, I think when you compare it to the savings you're going to get from avoiding these complications and, and troubles, um, it probably comes out as worth it for, for most folks. It's interesting. It, it, it's always interesting uh, as we look at, you know, the price point of tools that we use in our, our day-to-day life or in our professional life. Um, it's always a balancing game of, is this going to make us money or is this something that just makes life easier? And uh, it's a balancing act um, at all times because, you know, whenever you're talking about business, the key goal, no matter what business you're in, the key goal is to make money. That is, that, that's why you're in business. If you didn't need money, you'd probably be at home playing Zelda Breath of the Wild right now. I don't know. Um, but my, my point is that this, along with any technology we've discussed, is something that you have to look at carefully uh, based on your needs as an organization. But what I tend to see is that people will either adopt something because it's new and they can they have the money to throw at it, or they'll decide that it's not a necessity and they won't based purely on gut instinct without looking at it deep enough. And I would really urge anyone out there to, you know, read the key criteria report, read the radar when that comes out and and look very deeply at what your organization does and what it needs. Um, that said, is, is there anything we haven't covered today that you think we should, that, that people should know before they read the report? I don't think so. I think that's a really key point, right? I mean, I think there's definitely, um, you know, a right sizing here. Um, and, you know, I, but I think understanding what's available today is, is the first step. And then you can look at things like the size of your network, how fast you're scaling, how large your workforce is and, and what their knowledge is, um, you know, what, what those vendors flexibility and geographic presence is, uh, what existing tools and infrastructure you have. And, and figure out one, is network observability something you need to deploy? And if so, you know, how would you go about it? And uh, what tools would you use? You know, that's, that's an excellent point uh, that I, I wanted to you know, focus in on is scalability. Uh, because you need to understand where your organization is going, not just where it is right now. Uh, if you choose a tool and you walk into a contract or you move everything to one space, it may be a pain in the butt to move to something bigger if you haven't chosen something that can scale. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving pieces, but the first part is getting the knowledge and understanding where the market is today. Chris, thank you for, uh, for joining me today. Um, you've written a lot of reports. They can all be found at gigaohm.com along with all the episodes of this podcast. If you're not subscribed, I highly recommend you subscribe to both the podcast and gigaohm.com uh, so you can get the full breadth of our technology reports, which includes field benchmark tests, 
radars, key criteria. Uh, we really tried to cover everything happening in technology today. So uh, I highly recommend you do that. Chris, thank you for joining me. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. For GigaOM, I'm Johnny Baldisberger, and this has been Voices in Innovation. Just listen.